We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Paul with Steve Goldstein, one of the more senior Melonheads out there. We're coming off a huge victory. Rams win yesterday 39-10 over the San Francisco 49ers to run their record to 7-0. However, our focus on this episode is Mark Bolger. So I sat down with him some time ago. It's an interesting conversation to say the least. But first, a couple things. Steve, I got to ask you, man. Tell us about being, well, tell us about you and tell us about being a Melonhead. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on, and uh, thanks for the introduction as being a senior 
um, which you know that that that's fine. I guess I do qualify I didn't as mean a senior. Old, I meant like <laughs> long, you know, long-lasting melon head. You know. Yes, of course, of course. Um, well, I I did get involved with the melon heads uh, back in the uh, mid '90s. Actually, when the Rams had left, we were season ticket holders um, in the last the last five years in Anaheim before they left for St. Louis. And once they moved to St. Louis. I would go to the local sports bar here and met up with my now friend uh, of tw- over 20 years, uh, Lance Goldberg. And Lance is the original Melonhead, and he kind of recruited us when the Rams had asked them to go out to St. Louis um, for a game. They flew us basically flew us out to St. Louis. They, they wanted to have some kind of connection, I guess, with some of the old L.A. Rams fans. And... Uh, provided us tickets and and uh we went out there and and did our melon head thing in the front row there at the edward jones dome and uh, we were actually there for the tampa championship nfc championship game in 1999 um or actually i guess it was 2000 it was january 2000 and uh then we went to the super bowl the following week in atlanta and, and and saw mike jones make the tackle to to win the whole thing so uh and basically, when they moved back here to Los Angeles, uh, which where I, I re- I've resided the whole time, um, got our season tickets back, and and now we're living living large at seven and zero. Did you get your PSLs already? Are you are you going to do that? We did. Yes, uh, I purchased uh, two PSLs uh, a couple months ago, and so I I will be working the rest of my life, uh, <laughs> but but that's okay. I, I have my priorities. <laughs> And uh, my priorities are, 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 are watching this team for the next, you know, 15 years or so to, uh, to be dominant. So. so basically what you're telling us is you are now one less kidney and probably an arm and a leg short now because of all the costs. That- uh, yeah, sure. well, I haven't given up any bodily, body parts yet, but uh, that, could be, that could be next depending on how all the uh, financing goes over the next few years. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a bit pricey, but – you know, some people like to go on European vacations, and 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 I go to Ram games. So you know, we all we all do what uh, what we do. So uh, it's uh, it's and so far so good because uh, it looks like we have a head coach and a quarterback that are going to be around for a long time. So looking forward to it. Looks like it. Ain't. Well, if uh, the right money is there, especially in the next couple of years, and they go off to resign Jared Goff. Yeah, well, I think that's that's a given. That that's a given. That that that. They're gonna. They've already shown they can take care of their own. So uh, I think that that will be that will be a done deal. And and uh, I think this will be a uh, Belichick Brady type of relationship for a long, long time. So now, what do you do in your life outside of being a melonhead, being a Rams fan? <laughs> outside of watching Rams football on Sunday and and uh, and watching everything I can during the week uh, leading up to the game, I actually I'm in the motion picture business. So I am a freelance production accountant, and I um, travel around. Uh, sometimes I travel and work. Uh, sometimes I stay here in L.A. and I, I work at home, uh, depending on where the movie, uh, whatever uh, production I'm, I'm working on at the time. So uh, that's what I do, and I uh, have a great time doing it. And uh, it allows me some flexibility in the sense that I get some time off in between, between shows and um, – you know, just uh, I do 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 that and keeps keeps him busy, keeps me off the streets. 
So one more thing, and just getting people to get to know you a little bit. How did you become a Rams fan? Well, obviously, I grew up in Los Angeles, and uh, I mean, I am old enough to tell you that my dad would take me to games uh, here and there at, at the Coliseum uh, back in, I think, 1970, 69, 70 was probably my first game. And I was always a big sports fan. It, it, my father was not really a sports fan, but he just, he knew I was, so he would, you know, take me to games. And uh, I just became, you know, it was our team at that, obviously at that point in time, it was the only, it was the only football team in town. So that was the home team that we rooted for. And, you know, it was uh, the Roman Gabriel, Jack Snow, Deacon Jones years, um, going back to the the blue and white uniforms. And it was, uh, it was really something that's, that's the best, the best, one of my best memories is my dad taking me to my very first Rams game at the Coliseum and the uh, for people who don't live in LA, the Natural History Museum is is across the street from the Coliseum, and uh, my dad was taking me to the game. He goes, "Oh, we're going to go early because we're going to go to the museum," and I looked like, "Oh, great!" So we were at the museum. I said, "Dad, we got to go. We got to go." So we finally got in the game. And I will tell you, when I walked into the the tunnel through the Coliseum to to, to the field, um, it's it's definitely one of the best memories I I had as a as a kid. So I've been hooked ever since. And uh, been been through all the the high times and the low times, and have, have always sticked with them. Um, you know, I had season tickets that last year in 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 L.A. actually Anaheim, where you know it was the T.J. Rubley, uh, Chris Miller, uh, Todd Kinchin years that weren't very very that weren't very good and kind of painful to watch, uh, to be honest. And uh, you know, I I would stay through you know, rain or whatever it was in December watching a, a two and 12 team play. Um, but I've always stuck with them the whole time. So it's kind of, we were mentioning that the, the tough days, we're going to cover some of those tough days today, especially, you know, towards the end of Mark Bolger's career. And mm-hmm. man, those are some really, really, ooh, ooh, yes. some, ooh, just to make yeah. you throw up yeah. this time. The end of how his career ended there before mm-hmm. we do folks want to ask you, you know, first, if you have iTunes, please subscribe. It helps us uh, with our ratings on on iTunes in terms of visibility, so on and so forth. Also, we are 12 five-star reviews short of getting to our Magic 100, where we'll give away that 75-hour gift certificate to NFLshop.com. We'd really appreciate that. If you listen elsewhere, like Spotify, you know, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, please follow us. We'd really appreciate your help there. And, you know, we're not out there asking for a ton of money or anything like that, although money would be nice. Um, what we do need, though, is just your support in that area. So we want to ask for that. And uh, we do have support, though, from Jim Hawk, who's who wrote a really great book, guys. Uh, have you read this yet, by chance? Jim Hawk's I have not. Too? Okay, we got to check it out. Um, most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. So if you want to learn more about Rams history with a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood team, Grit Glamour, in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of, of the 1950s Rams through lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. I'm telling you, serious future Hall of Famers. Players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Lakes Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Rams. You can find 
Hawksbook online at HollywoodsTeam.com and on Twitter at HollywoodsTeam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Folks, I'm telling you, it's well worth your time. It's not a long read. It's not It's not um, a massively expensive book. It's just good Rams history. Hollywoodsteam, great glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. Okay, so it's about that time here. To get into the me of the podcast, and that is Mark Bulger. I sat down with him uh, a little while ago, and uh, what he gave us was uh, a an interesting interview. Steve and I will talk about it after the break. All right, folks, we're here with Mark Bulger, former quarterback for the St. Louis Rams. Now, of course, they're in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Rams. Mark, thank you for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to speak with you. You actually have a member of our staff that borderline worships the ground you walk on. I kid you not. So he'll be glued <laughs> to this podcast. I'm going to try and when we, when we introduce this podcast for the, for the site, I'm going to have him actually come on and give his thoughts as well, because literally he, he works with you. So how are you? I am doing great. And thank you uh, for your service. And uh, it's great to be uh, a former Ram. Well, I, I appreciate it. I really do appreciate the, uh, the, the, calm, the, the kind words. We'll just pop right into it. Mark, you were drafted by the Saints in the sixth round of the 2000 draft. What was a draft process like for you, and how did you wind up becoming a Ram? Oh, it was – I don't know how much time you have. It, this might take all day, but I'll, I'll make it brief. <laughs> uh, you know, I, it's supposed to be a little bit higher uh, draft pick, but it, it's – long story short, myself and uh, Tom Brady, we, we were uh, actually – pretty much paired up at the Combine in, in 2000 because they do it by last name and obviously BU and BR were together and we were kind of having a hard time feeling out, you know, he was a great Michigan quarterback and I was at West Virginia and we just couldn't realize why we were, our grades were so low and there's some other players that were higher than us and uh, I could tell he had a chip on his shoulder and I had a chip on my shoulder so we spent a good two, three days together at the Combine and uh, I went to New Orleans, I didn't get one rep in practice or not one rep in a preseason game and spent a good year in Pittsburgh um, just working out and, and, and trying to get on a practice squad or a team. And fortunately for myself, it was uh, Mike Martz, you know, uh, just, I don't know, he had an intuition about myself and uh, Tom Brady obviously drew Bledsoe got hurt. I mean, the rest is history with Tom. So it was a, it was a long process, but, uh, you know, for me, Mike Martz um, saw something and, Fortunately, I was able to perform for him. Now, years later, you caught everyone off guard through 2002 performance. So how were you able to jump in and be successful almost immediately in that Rams offense? Uh, just, it was literally hard work. You know, Mike Martz, again, had a system. Uh, Kurt Warner, I watched him my first year. We went straight to the Super Bowl. And um, just watching the way Kurt prepared and the way Mike Martz made Kurt prepare I took it to heart, and so I knew I might only have one opportunity since I sat the year before out home in Pittsburgh working out at, you know, a public field in the city with my dad. So I knew if that one opportunity came, and Kurt, unfortunately, he broke his finger against Dallas, and uh, Jamie Martin came in, and he hurt his knee, I think, the next week in San Francisco, and Coach Martin said, you got to start, and we were 0-5, and Oakland was 6-0, and, and, you know, I came in and I was I was ready. I was just prepared. So I think preparation is the most important thing because you, you only may, may have one opportunity, especially in the NFL. 
a little bit later when you basically win the job, there were all kinds of questions in the media about your relationship with Kurt Warner. What was the truth? Because I got the sense that this, that it was never really about you at all. It was more about Kurt and Mike Martz. I believe so. Kurt was always, you know, he, he was great um, to me. I had questions. He helped me. He was, there was, between us, there was never animosity. And I, I always assumed, since I was doing so well, that they were just going to move me somewhere else because Kurt was coming off the NFL MVP, um, you know, as far as going to a different team. So we never had an issue. I think it was kind of more fabricated in the media in St. Louis. Um, mm-hmm. And then it kind of got a little more national because we won seven in a row. But, you know, it is what it is. I, you know, that's where I really figured out that, you know, the NFL is a business and, uh, you know, and it's a good thing that people are interested in. But Kurt was nothing but, uh, but great to me. And we, we still text to this day and, uh, he's a great person. When you become the star, you led this team to an NFC West title in 2003. And what was until last year, uh, the last winning season in, in recent team history, it was the last winning season in St. Louis. What was special about that team? And what are some of the great memories you have from that season? I have so many great, you know, from 2001 to 2006 or so, it was just, it was more like a college team than it was an NFL team because these, I mean, it was just the locker room and we hung out off the field and we, it was just a different feeling. And you could see it changing in 07, 08, 09, just the vibe in the locker room. So it was fun. It didn't feel like a job, which was great. Uh, and, I, and I think that's what most winning organizations have. I went to Baltimore for a year um, after I left the Rams. Just I wanted to get winning back in my system. <laughs> and they had that same vibe in the locker room. It was just the team just loved each other. And, you know, I'd get down on myself, you know, 8 9 10 when we were struggling. But, you know, if I look back, there's, there really wasn't, too many W's or wins, you know, um, from starting quarterbacks other than myself. So I, I knew I, I, I was taking most of the, you know, the brunt of the blame, which the quarterback should. But looking back, I feel vindicated a little bit. Well, that's the thing. This is coming down the line, but you kind of segued into it. Injuries, though, also played a part in your career. And to this day, there is sort of an argument between many Rams fans about the stats of your career, what, what it really was. They even argue to the point where the Rams did you a disservice by not providing you a solid offensive line. So what is the truth about that era of the Rams? What happened with your career and the other team members who, well, basically had wasted years? You, you know, I'm, 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 sure, I'm sure looking back, you'll know I'll never throw a teammate under the bus, so I won't even go there. But I, I think there was just a lot of moving parts. I think with the organization losing our owner, I think there were some things going on with some, some moves we made that probably weren't the, the best decisions for the organization. But it is what it is. But again, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Ram for life, and I love the organization. And the fact that you're in LA doesn't, you know, that doesn't change the fact that you're a Ram. St. Louis, LA. I know all the LA fans, you know, they it's back to the original thing, and I can't wait to get out there um, and watch and watch the Rams in person and and share amongst. I I truly love them. The greatest show on turf itself, it was a little bit of a different. There was a segue. They were from the the really great years down to the the tough years, and did was it really defenses starting to adapt to what you guys were doing offensively? Was it age? Was it poor drafting, 
And I'm not, again, I'm not asking you to, to uh, throw anybody under the bus. I'm just in a general sense, this was a team that seemed like it was set to have a dynasty run. And then all of a sudden it just hits the rails. Yeah, it might be a little bit of everything. You know, again, I, I can't give enough credit to Coach Martz. I think that he pretty much, you know, invented the modern-day passing offense. I mean, if you look at all these teams, the West Coast has been around for since Bill Walsh in, you know, 30, 40 years. But everyone will rename it and give it different names, but it, it, most of it's Coach Martz's. And he took something from Coach Coriel, obviously, way, way in the back in the day, but no one was doing what, what he did. No one really caught up to us. But, you know, it, it may be a little bit of drafting. You may be a little bit of age with with, with all of us. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you just, unfortunately, it, it catches up with you if you make one or two bad decisions in the NFL. I mean, there's 32 other teams that are really good. So. And you made the Pro Bowl, though, twice in your career. And I'll never forget the 2004 game at four touchdowns, 55-52. The Pro Bowl itself gets a bad rap today, but what did it mean for you to take part in the Pro Bowl twice and actually win the Pro Bowl MVP? Yeah, it's pretty neat. My dad, my dad actually still wins the car I won. Uh, he drives it to this day. Um, it was special because I, I think back then it, it meant a little bit more. You, you weren't the ninth or tenth alternate making it. You you actually made the Pro Bowl when you went. I mean, it, it wasn't Honolulu. It made a little bit of a difference than Orlando or Miami, but it was fun. I mean, you go out there and we you stay at a hotel and it's just the NFL people and you're playing against, you know, or getting hang with your, the guys you played against. And, uh, but you know, I never expected in a million years to throw four touchdowns in the second half and win a car and that whole deal. But, uh, I got on the wrong bus, unfortunately, after that game. And Ray Lewis, who later became a teammate, <laughs> gave me a look because at the end of the week, you got to write that check to pay for your whole family being out there. The, the, the losing team only gets half of what the winning team makes in the Pro Bowl. So I was getting some bad, bad looks. So it was, <laughs> it was a heck of an experience. <laughs> Even in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Mark, what was your greatest game? What was your, you know, your best game in the NFL? What made it special? I don't know. You know, I, many times, you never know. I mean, the first one's obviously the most special. You know, I started out, you mentioned earlier, we were 0-5 and, and Oakland was 6-0. and And, at the CBS game, and Jim Nance and Phil Sims are announcing. And the year before, I was sitting there playing, you know, Madden on PlayStation with Isaac Bruce on my fantasy team. I, you know, and now I'm in the huddle. And I start out my first drive ever, I think, on the one-yard line, heading the opposite way, not the good way. <laughs> and uh, I think we ran the ball twice, and then Coach Marks called a deep out to Isaac on the right side from our own one-yard line and, to, you know, hit a 20-yard out to Isaac Bruce. And then we went straight down and scored a touchdown. I threw, threw a touchdown, and... Winning that first game was pretty special. Another one would be coming home to Pittsburgh. I'm from Pittsburgh, and I know how big Steelers fans are there, and it's a big deal to them. But to go there, I think it was 04 or so, and, you know, we, we had a pretty good game. And I threw for, you know, I don't even know whatever yards, but just to go home and throw for all those yards and, and kick their butt a little bit, that felt good. And then, obviously, winning a playoff game in Seattle was awesome. So, cause I know how how difficult that is, but there's there's so many good moments. Getting to play in Lambeau, I, I don't know. There, there's there's not one, but uh, you know, I I'd say going home to Pittsburgh would probably be number one on my list. It's it seems like though you you're generally appreciative of the opportunity you had to play in the NFL and have all those experiences. Well, yeah. sure, yeah. I mean, I played one year in high school, um, and I barely got a scholarship to West Virginia, and I thought when I went there that I was just gonna have a scholarship and I had a free. Uh, college educate, education, and then, uh, you know, I got to play three years there and then assumed I'd play in the NFL, and, and that things didn't go well my first year. And 
and once again, I think it's the third time I brought it up with Coach Mark for him to have the faith in me to, you know, I'm going to bring you in after the season because they were making a Super Bowl run in 2000. I think they lost to the Saints, so he said, I can't sign you right now, but yeah, as uh, soon as the season's over, I'm going to I'm gonna sign you. And the fact that he followed up on it, it was, you know, I knew I, knew I wasn't going to let him down. Well, you you keep bringing up Mike Martz, so I'm going to ask the question. It just sounds like there's more to him than what meets the eye. The way he's been covered in the media over the years, kind of as a nut, a person who would quote unquote get his quarterbacks killed. Who was the real Mike Martz? Oh, he. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say he was easy. I know Kurt would tell you the same thing. Kurt Warner, uh, he was really really difficult on his quarterbacks especially the uh, second and third string quarterbacks. But looking back, you know, now that I'm 41 years old, I can look back and say, you know what? It was the best thing for me because he taught me so much um, at the time. You know, I, I wouldn't go back and do it again. Let's say that, that much there. But <laughs> it's a good thing that you did it, and it taught me that discipline. And he knows more offensive football than most people can, can imagine. And I think that intimidated a lot of coaches in the NFL, and I think that's why they uh, kind of pushed him out of the NFL a little bit. I always wonder why he never got another chance to be head coach. That's why, because it's 100% other coaches are intimidated by him. They're just as nutty as him, except he knows more than them. That's all it is. Okay, well, you've kind of touched on it, but I just want to iron this out and put it in total official writing here. You spent much of your career in St. Louis. So how do you feel about this team moving to Los Angeles? And what is your relationship with the Rams like today? You know, I we've, we've moved a little bit. Now, I've having two daughters of my own young they're in school and so I'm trying to help out here with <laughs> with their teams and different things I don't get out to the west coast too much but the Rams are the Rams to me it's the jersey it's the organizations it'll always be that for me it has nothing to do with the city it's you know that that emblem on the helmet is everything to me so you know I'd love to get out there sometimes it's a little difficult with the kids but I will I'm hopefully they I live in Nashville now and hopefully they uh come up on the schedule here soon and I'm going to get to some games and uh you know I'm, I'm definitely a Ravens fan too after playing there for a year but number one and you know is, is definitely the Rams what have you been doing since retiring from the NFL <laughs> it's funny I'm, I'm from the city the inner city in Pittsburgh and so now I actually have a farm business in Missouri since I lived in St. Louis for that 14 years or so but my main passion is my foundation for the past I think 12 years now I've worked with all the military and all first responders, um, firefighters, police officers, everything. My, my grandfather was a city police officer in Pittsburgh for 35 years. So I'm really proud of the work I've done. And we're going to actually have a relaunch here in September. Um, self-funded for 11 years. You know, we're still in good shape, but I still there's a lot more work I can do. And actually the past two years I've done an event with Children's Miracle Network. And so I've extended it to children with life-threatening illnesses, too, because, you know, when you walk into a, a room and there's a kid who just had eight brain surgeries in 12 weeks and didn't ask for it, at least the military, you know, you sign up for it. Mm-hmm. But these kids didn't ask for it. Um, so there's no way in heck I'm going to uh, ever abandon the military, but I just want to include, you know, these, these kids in my foundation as well. So the overall mission here is twofold, to work with the services and benefit them and also to benefit kids who've had these these surgeries. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, for, for a decade, I, I've worked with PTSD, TBI, triple amputees. You know, I'm friends with a quadruple amputee. Um, 
I rebuilt the Nexus USO in St. Louis and the whole world, according to the USO's CEO. On our flights, I paid for numerous, you know, so many funerals, I can't say, but, you know, through different channels. Um, just, you know, I, I, Semper Fi Society, uh, the, there's a million of them. But the good thing is I, I can go in front of military personnel and talk to them, and they know, I mean, it, it's not just a bunch of BS. So it's, it's just been awesome because people like you have served. I have to serve somehow since I was... I, was doing something else, but they always tell me, you know, I'm serving somehow, and that's I want to teach my kids that that's my goal. I appreciate that. I really do. It's you know, when I was in the service, it was really difficult sometimes to really understand how pe- you know how people care. And in today's world, where even military service is politicized and is demonized in some respects, to know that there are some organizations out there that still <laughs> give a crap. Yeah, well, don't worry. There's, um, I think there's more out there than you think, but the PC police will get on us, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. Well, just let's let our folks know how they can help. Where can folks help your foundation? Uh, where can they donate? Where can they find you on social media? You know, we, we've heard of the Wounded Warrior Project and other projects, but we don't know much about yours. And since you're one of us, you're, you're a RAM, it, I think it's more special to us than just some, ra- just some other organization so tell us where can we go to, to help so here's the deal i honestly I, I appreciate this opportunity because like i said i'm going to be relaunching soon i've never had twitter or facebook in my life but for some reason i have twitter now so mark <laughs> bolger 10 is my twitter <laughs> so whatever that means and there's a blue check mark whatever that means but the mark bolger foundation.com and i'm not looking for donations i just want you know all us rams to look and see not tooting my own horn, but I just want to see what these organizations that I work with, because it's, like I said, it's all been self-funded. It's, these are good people. Every organization that I've, I've worked with and donated for on the Mark Bulger Foundation.com mm-hmm. are great people. Um, so that's, you know, I'm, I'm not out looking for money or anything like that. I just want people to, like I said, I have to serve somehow and just bringing awareness. I think even if you're not writing a check to anyone, I think that is serving in a way. Or you know what? <laughs> You see a service member, member or a police officer or a firefighter or a paramedic walking by, just say thank you. And I tell you what, I'm, I'm sure you would agree, that means just as much as a $5 donation. So just a thank you to our men and women in uniform is all I ask for. All right, Mark. Well, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate your time. Folks, Mark Bolger, Ted, <laughs> on Twitter. And hopefully he gets, you know, some some Facebook stuff going on and some no, make his. He's also got a website, there, by the way. No, my my, my wife definitely. She, there is Facebook. I apologize uh, for the the, way, the foundation website, but my wife runs that, so I have no clue how that works either. But yeah, there's there's pictures, so you can see I'm with General Dunford, General Kelly. I, I have some cool stuff. It's just I don't know how to do it. So, thank you, Derek. <laughs> All right, again, folks, Mark Bolger, everybody, Mark Bolger. <laughs> All right, Steve, that was a quite the conversation. Um, <laughs> for, before I get into you know, talking about Sal, uh, real, can you, what was your first thought as you listened to, to Mark Bulger give his comments about his career and his life in the NFL? Well, you know, Mark, Mark came in to the, to the Rams, what you can't, came in as a, a third string quarterback. And uh, nobody really knew too much about him at the time. He was what a seventh round pick of the of the Saints. And um, when he came over, uh, obviously he was a third string quarterback. Nobody knew too much about him. But obviously, uh, when Kurt was having his uh, 
health issues. I think we all remember that New York Giants game where he turned the ball over, what, five times I think it was. And uh, then there was, uh, there was Mark uh, coming in and, and, and leading the way. Uh, I think that um, he had a great career for one. Um, he went through for over, I think he threw for over 20,000 yards, if I'm not mistaken, um, and had a really, really nice career. I think um, that having Mike Martz as a, as a quarterback, as a as a offensive coordinator slash head coach, uh, was both a blessing and a curse, though, uh, f- for him and and, and other quarterbacks. Um, a blessing, obviously, because Martz was a brilliant offensive mind. Nobody could really challenge that. Um, at the same time, though, I always thought his offense that he ran was never conducive to the health of a quarterback. And I think Mark, in the long run, kind of paid the price for that, um, uh, unfortunately, because his career could have, probably could have been a lot longer, a lot more productive um, if, if he was able to stay on the field more. Um, because he was a talent. He, he, uh, he, had, uh, you know, he, he was really accurate with the football and um, was, 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 was a very, very, very good NFL quarterback and could have even had better stats, like I said, if you, if you wouldn't been able to stay on the field more. So just to give folks an idea of his stats, he completed 62% of his passes over his career. He did throw for 22,814 mm-hmm. yards, 122 touchdowns in his career, uh, 93 interceptions. The uh, career average rating for him was 84.4. Yards per game was 237.6. His best year was in... Well, it had a couple good ones. 2003, he had uh, 22 touchdown passes, but 22 interceptions. 256 yards passing per game. Goes to the Pro Bowl that year. His other Pro Bowl season was at age 29 in 2006. He throws 24 touchdown passes, 8 interceptions, a 92.9 rating. And, uh, you know, overall, I tend to agree a little bit in that man, his injuries really played a role, not just in his career going downhill, but also in the Rams and their time. After 2006, that team tanks. Well, there's a direct correlation from the injuries at that point down to, well, what happens to this team? There's no way around it. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's they say availability trumps ability every single time, right? So uh, I I think uh, obviously I think he only of all his his years I think he only had two years where he actually um, played a whole year if I'm not mistaken I think he had 16 games once and 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 I think the other the other season was Warner started the first game was the opener like I had previously mentioned against the Giants right and he got hurt and then Bolger kind of started the rest of the year. Yeah, and then so, in 2008, he played 15 games out of 16. Oh, okay. Yes. So he's close. So, yeah. So, you know, I, I, like I said, if he – and he wasn't the biggest guy in the world, let's be honest. I mean, he what was he listed at, at 6'4", maybe um, what, two, 220 he was listed maybe? Yeah, 6'3", yeah. 215. Okay. Well, let's be honest. There's no way that guy was 215. <laughs> I mean, he was pretty thin. He he was a pretty thin guy. Um 
and but and 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 again i th- i think you know when you when you're running an offense that march ran and you're not max protecting and you got five guys out in, in on the in the pattern and you know your quarterback's going to get hit and unfortunately for him and 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 Kurt Warner as well i i, I think it probably contributed to part of Kurt's problems as well um it was it, it just it it hurt his career it hurt his career because his career could have been i mean those stats what you just reeled off are very impressive um but i think it could have been even better you know because i think it would have been a longer uh a longer career and and he probably would have played more games so what i read off there what i'm seeing is a guy who was a good quarterback not quite great but we'll never know how great he could have been just because right when he was getting close to that plateau of his career the team fell apart. Right. So we'll never know how good Mark Bolger could have been. Right. We'll just never will. Before we move on, folks, I do want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor at the Golden Ram Barbershop. Uh, Sal Martinez has been there from the very beginning with us. He's been a great sponsor, big supporter. If you are in Orange County and you do enjoy the old school barbershop experience, do check out Golden, Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street. In Westminster, California, 92683, Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis, and he's kept the line on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 7267. Use the promo code Talk so he knows we sent you and get a discount on an already affordable haircut. Sal's shop is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-RAMS. 7267. Folks, I'm telling you, a visit to his shop is like visiting a Rams Hall of Fame. So go have a look at it. You won't regret it. Heck, he made me look decent, and I'm, well, not <laughs> decent. Okay. All right. So, by the way, folks, if you do want sponsors, we are in need of sponsors. We really do. If we want to keep on air and keep improving technology here and just keep providing a better show, we do need sponsors. We have several slots open, so reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you, let you, sh- let you see our numbers and show you that we're worth advertising with. All right, so Steve, going back here to, I, I thought, well, a couple things, really, a couple things in the interview, in the course of the conversation, really kind of blew me away. First, it's Mark Bolger's commitment to the military. I'm a, I'm a military guy. Served mm-hmm. a lot of time in the service. I'm a veteran. Um, and thank you for your service, by the way. I appreciate that. Um, but it's his commitment to helping others, especially those who are struggling, especially those in the military. That blew me away. You never, you know, he was such a quiet guy with the Rams. You never really knew he had those feelings about, you know, veterans and so on and so forth. That blew me away. That really did. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, you know, folks, if you get a chance, go look up. Um, the Mark Bulger Foundation there, and you know, see, keep a keep track of them. And if you can get a chance to help them, please do that. Uh, that's a good thing. We, we, if I'm honest, as a veteran, I can tell you flat out that there are several people out there, several groups out there um, that don't serve veterans like they say they do. And that's all I'm going to say. And, but his heart is generally, in a very not generally, but seriously into helping veterans have a good life. So do that. The second thing that really kind of caught me off guard, I didn't expect this to happen, was his his admiration for Mike Martz. Because you know, you're of the opinion that Mike Martz, in a lot of ways, 
hurt his career. But the way he talked about Mike Martz is it's like Mike Martz made his career. And well, he, you know, yeah. so I, I, I mean, when I say that, like I said, it, it, it was it was a blessing and a curse. Uh, obviously, it's a blessing in the sense that he gave Mark a chance, right? So here's a guy coming in who's a sixth round pick. Who a lot of those guys don't get opportunities to play, um, you know, because the team has very little invested in him. And he saw the talent. He saw the talent in Mark. And you know, there, there's one thing you, you can't challenge is Mark's new quarterbacks. He he knew how to scout and identify talent. Um, you got to remember, he he drafted Ryan Fitzpatrick out of Harvard. Uh, I believe was was a seventh round pick, and and Fitzpatrick's had a decent career for himself mm-hmm. for for a seventh round pick. So March new talent, and um, I think that for Mark, yes, I mean he got the opportunity, and 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 March gave him the opportunity to to show what he had and and give himself a very good NFL career where he signed. He had a couple of pretty big contracts there, you know, where he was able to retire very comfortably and and do things like you had just mentioned uh giving back to uh the community giving back to the military and and, and doing some really 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 good stuff um which obviously you know making that kind of money he's, it's afforded him to do these types of things which is which is great um so yeah absolutely Mart Martz Martz he has a lot he he does owe Mike Martz a lot for his career absolutely 100% I agree with that the other side of that, though, is what I had mentioned before uh, about, you know, not n- not protecting your quarterback as as being priority priority one, and I think that that part of it, the career could have been even better, and I think that that's the other, you know, that's the curse part of it, and I I just, you know, I don't. I don't know. You know, we never know, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. We don't know if his career would have been any any longer for sure. But that's kind of how I feel about it. Uh, and I've always felt that way about Martz. I I, I never felt he, you know, uh, put a lot of stock in protecting his quarterback. I, I think he, you know, you had to be. And to Mark's credit, and and you know, Warner and all the quarterbacks that that that, that Martz had, um, he had to have a guy who could stand in the pocket. And take a hit, and you know, look, keep your eyes downfield, you know, find your receiver, your second receiver, your third receiver, and and, and you're probably going to get hit. And those guys, you know, Mark included, obviously, took a lot of hits. And um, so that that's kind of where I was coming from on, on that perspective. But yeah, absolutely, he he does owe uh, a lot of his career, maybe most of his career, to 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 Mike Martz, because who knows if he would have gotten an opportunity somewhere else. Do you blame Mike Martz for the? For the total downfall of the Rams, or do you, who do you blame for the Rams I, falling off? I, after the the greatest show on turf years, um, I and 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 start winding down to end of March's career. Mar- March was a very difficult guy to get along with. He did not get along with the front office. Um, he, I, I mean, you notice he never got another head coaching job after after he he left the Rams. He, uh, I think, he was the offensive coordinator in Detroit. Uh, for for a bit, um, but he never um, got a, another head coaching opportunity because he was a difficult guy to get along with, and it was his way or the highway. And he was not; it was not a collaborative effort um, in terms of head coaching for him. Uh, I, I just I, I I think he did lead the downfall of that team. 
I think he was not on the same page personnel-wise with um, the front office. Uh, I, I know one of his one of his draft picks was Trunk Candidate, who was a guy who ran a four two forty, I believe, at the combine. And of course, Martz was in love with speed, and you know it was they had just come off their Super Bowl gear, and uh, or the year that they lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And I think they had the 31st pick, whatever that pick was in the draft, and they and they took this guy. And and you know when they had other needs, especially defensive needs, and they took a guy who they didn't really need. He was just another kind of toy for March, an offensive toy. And you know I, I I think that was maybe the beginning of the downfall. And um, so I guess I I do blame him. I also say and and no offense to Mark Bolger that. You know, I was in the Kurt Warner camp. When they had to make a decision between the two of those quarterbacks, I was in the Warner camp. I really thought they should have kept Warner and tried to trade trade Bolger. And, uh, I mean, at that time, Bolger actually had some trade value because he had demonstrated he was a good quarterback. So I, so for that, yes, I think I, think I, I blame Mike March for that. And, and I think that was kind of the, the beginning of the downfall. Yeah, for me, it's it's – I think there were a lot of people who had too big an ego. And I, I, I want to say March. I want to say the guys in the front office as well. They, I think the whole the whole process, Jay Zygman, who I've, I've, I've spoken to before. I've interviewed him before. That's one of my lost interviews I never published. Mm-hmm. Um, that I really should publish, by the way. You it's, should. Uh, it was a really fascinating interview with him. But there, to me, it was just too, too many big egos and too many people who were careless with the actual draft at that time to really keep it going. The, the, this, let's be honest, this Rams team should have been a dynasty with mm-hmm. either Mark Bolger or Kurt Warner at the helm, in my view. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, if was Kurt Warner better in his career? Well, yeah, it pans out that Kurt Warner did have a better career. So I'm not gonna, I'm not making that case. I'm saying they could have won with Mark Bolger. Right. They could have well, won and, and I think I, I think part part of it was you know go, going back to the to the draft pick. Was that March was all about the offense. He didn't really care too much about defense. He didn't really, you know, so they didn't, they weren't like, they weren't drafting for defense. And they, that, that, their defense was horrible. I mean, they, and, and, and you play as a team. And so when your defense is bad and you're constantly in shootouts or having to score, you know, 30 points a game, uh, it, it becomes an issue. The, and the other issue was the offensive line. They never, sure. They never really drafted or were able to keep healthy uh, an offensive line to protect. And, I mean, it, the thing about their Super Bowl run um, in, in 99 and the 2000 Super Bowl when they won is they were able to keep that offensive line healthy the whole year. Every one of those guys started every single game. And there's a lot to be said about that, a lot to be said about continuity, especially when you're running an offense such as Mart's where there isn't – you, you know, you're not getting help from your tight ends. You're not really getting help from, you know, your running back as much as maybe other schemes, um, you know, protecting the quarterback. So, um, you know, that that was a big, of course, that was a big part of the downfall. And and let's be honest, Jay Zygmunt was a very good businessman, and he was a longtime Rams executive. But Jay was not a football guy. By his own admission, I think Jay was not. He, he, Jay was not a football guy. He was I, a finance I, guy. Is what he was. He was a finance guy. He was Georgia's finance guy, 
And uh, let's be honest, John Shaw was not a football guy. Um, so, you know, they did have Charlie Army in there for a while, who was a football guy, who was well-respected. But I just never think, especially when, when, when Martz came in, that they, they were on the same page um, as far as what, what that team needed. And I think, you know, that, that's, that's where your slide happened. And then, of course, it continued to slide with some miserable head coaching um, hires, you know, your, your Linehans and your, your Spagnolos and, and guys like that were just, just complete failures as far as I'm concerned. But, um, well, yeah, I mean, it was, that, that it pretty was, much is it all it right was, there. I think every there were, there were, what's that? that? And that pretty much says it all, really. It really yeah. does. It pretty much, you know, the 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 combination of the wrong guys in place, the just the poor drafting. There are so many things I think that led to the downfall of the greatest show on turf, and Mark Bolger's kind of got stuck in there. I mean, yes. that's really what happened. And I, one of my big pet peeves over the years is just how many careers the Rams wasted. You know, how many Rams careers anyways they wasted. <laughs> Looking at, I mean, just think about who, who they've had come through there. The peak well, years of... Steven Jackson is exhibit one. Yeah, Steven Jackson, uh, Mark Bolger. A little bit later on, Chris Long's best years, wasted. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, just so many guys came through, and that were those were their best years, and and uh, you know, it's tough. It's tough to fathom, really. It really is. So right. Well, you know, again, they they had a bunch of people in the front office that that weren't really, um, you know, football people, and I think, um, you know, that that that's changed, and and not to veer the conversation to today, but you know, that I think that 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 changed uh when when they brought in um you know the the less Sneed regime and, and i'm not talking about the jeff fisher re- regime because that was a total disaster as well but um you know you, you could see where it's 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 kind of evolved now um into there they have a real they have real scouting a real scouting staff and they have a a, a gm who's not afraid to pull the trigger on and, and make trades on draft day but and back then you know they pretty much were you know happy to be you know eight and eight they had their their rent at the edward jonestone was a dollar a year and um you know they they were drawing the the crowds were still coming people were still coming to the games so um for whatever the reason was they would not make an investment in football people and um so we'll so that's where it's gone gone today, but uh, like I said, I think I think Mark's career is uh, was was w- for for what he for w- what he had in terms of um, opportunity, uh, he he parlayed that thing to a very very nice career. Well, and you know, as we're getting ready to close here, just want to you know, Mark was uh, who will hopefully listen to the show once we send it over to him. Um, we do want to thank him for. Being willing to talk to us and thank you for what he's doing for our veterans and so on and so forth. That's just really a very special thing. If you get a chance, folks, take a look at Mark's organization. It's um, I'm looking it up for you right now just to make sure I get the name right because <laughs> you don't want to get this wrong. You don't want to get it wrong. Mark Bolger, his or- you can find him on Twitter, although he barely ever uses it. As I'll tell you, at Mark um, at Mark Bolger ten. 
his organization. You can find it online at the markbolgerfoundation.com. And uh, to really, you know, give him a follow. Honestly, give him a, give him a follow. He's, he's a, a good guy. And, and quite frankly, man, I'm proud to have uh, watched him play and, and talk to him about what he's doing with his life. So there you go. Folks, as we're getting ready to sign off here and with this kind of a throwback podcast, we do want to, you know, A, ask you to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can follow me on Twitter at DC Paula. Steve, you're kind of quiet on Twitter, but can you tell people where to find you? Um, I am at Rams R Home. So it's R-A-M-S, the letter R, Home, H-O-M-E. 16. Okay. So Rams are home. 16 oh, is my. I see what you did, handle. though. You I see, did you see what I you said? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So and I've been on Twitter. I've been on Twitter since 2016, I suppose. But, uh, you know, I chime in every now and then. I, mean, I, I get in. I, 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 do, I do a little uh, Twitter uh, trolling once in a while. You should, you should do some more Twitter trolling. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Again, I, will, I, will, I, but, I will try to be more, but I definitely need more followers. So if people would follow me, I will definitely, I will wow, definitely engage. There's you got to promise to engage more. You just can't expect people to just show up and not, and yeah. you not engage. <laughs> I know. I, I, I promise to engage more as soon as I get more followers. Oh my gosh, it's so conditional. Okay, don't forget us on <laughs> iTunes, folks. I, I asked, give a heartfelt. It really is heartfelt. Really, really could use some love there. Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all those places. Don't forget we're on IEBeat Radio. Dot com on Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time for Steve Goldstein. This is Derek C. Apollo from Rams Talk. We're out of here. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. DC police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet. Find what you want with your voice on Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and more. No more jumping in and out of apps. And get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. It's a way better way to watch. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet, excluding Internet essentials, one device included. Subscriptions required to access streaming services. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.